Well, it's great to be here. I am Pastor Bill James. I don't really like titles, but I guess I, I do have that title. I am the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Shunga, Uganda, which is on the other side of the world. I also represent Agents for Christ and the Tenth Hour Project and all the ministries connected to Tent Agents for Christ, the Uganda Kids Project. Um, Agents for Christ started in 2004. I was... Uh, a DEA task force officer working on a narcotics task force and um, on a follow-up investigation I uh, came face to face with a drug dealer I pulled out my badge he pulled out a gun um, I had a gun my partner was an FBI a female FBI agent she had her gun in her purse I had a gun we both couldn't get our guns out he aggressively moved towards me pointed the 38 revolver at my face tried to pull the trigger and the gun didn't fire and you get this is God and guns territory. Revolvers can sit in a mud puddle for a year and it still would fire. Yes? yes. No? God spared me that day and he so clearly spoke to me. I love you. I died for you, but I won't make you follow me. You have to choose. And the greatest day in my life I, was April 20th, 2004, when I finally quit running from Jesus and ran to Jesus and gave him my life. And really, Agents for Christ was that simple. I was an agent for the United States government, and then I became an agent for Jesus Christ. I turned in my gun and my badge and picked up my more, more powerful weapon, my sword. Amen. This strong weapon. Amen. Amen. And before I forget, <clears throat> I was thinking about something that Tyler said, because I want to say something about when you go out to do your out... Agents for Christ, if you don't know, is all based on evangelism. We've been an evangelism ministry for many, many years. Um, a little trick when you're out sharing at the festival people won't they might not let you share the gospel with them they might not take a track but they will almost always let you pray for them and when you pray pray the gospel pray John 3.16 if you don't know anything else to pray pray the gospel because the word of God will not return void amen pray the word of God pray the gospel pray and uh, after you pray ask him uh, you know, ask them another question. You may see God soften their heart. Amen. Yes. Anyway, um, Agents for Christ, again, as like I said, it was simple. I saw what it was like or I experienced what it was like to live a life trapped in sin and darkness and bondage to sin. And then I received Christ. And I walked out of my pastor's office that day completely free. It says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I was a new creation in Christ. And it was an amazing day. And all I wanted to do was let people know the freedom they could have in Jesus. That's what Agents for Christ is all about. People out everywhere are trapped. Trapped everywhere in their sins. And you guys have the message of the gospel. God wants you to share it, but it's not that hard. First of all, the message is easy. If you know John 3.16, you know the gospel. And secondly, the, the God called us to be His witnesses. In Acts 1.8, He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. He gives us the power to do the job that He's called you to do. And if we just... Make yourself available. Just say, Lord, I encourage you to daily pray for divine appointments. 
Pray that God would use you today. Make yourself available every single day and watch God use you. Because that's all I did. That's all we did. That's all we did. And God has done exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask, think, or even imagine through His Spirit. He lives inside of me. He lives inside of you. And he wants to, wants to show up power and power and strength and all glory to Jesus. Amen. I can't even believe what God's done. We had no idea. We bought two RVs just to travel the country just to share the gospel. We had no idea what God was doing. But uh, I stand here before you saying God is great and with God all things are possible. And God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask, think, or even imagine. Ephesians 3.20, through His Spirit that lives in you. And uh, like I said, Agents for Christ is just is one ministry still, two, two parts. Still the same original two families, me and my wife Danielle. She's in Uganda running Uganda Kids Project and Agents for Christ. I mean the ministry in Uganda. And Dave and Deanna Chafee run 10th Hour Project. 10th um, Hour Project... Uh, if you don't know about it, is an eight-month discipleship program for young adults. Um, it's basically a gap year program. Uh, eight, three months are spent in New Mexico at the campus there doing biblical discipleship. Pastors like Tyler come from all over U America to come teach for a week. Uh, then the students go out in America for six weeks uh, going out on the road like we did as Agents for Christ at the beginning, sharing the gospel. And teaching evangelism and, you know, doing outreach and serving wherever God opens the doors. And then they come to either Uganda or now we've opened the doors for even Peru. So it, the ministry is still growing. And it's based on John chapter 1 where uh, the disciples followed Jesus and they asked Jesus where was he staying. And Jesus said, come and see. And what Jesus basically said to them, I believe what he was saying, was come and experience what a life following me is like. And if you're, not, if you're a young adult and you're not sure what God has for you, or you don't even know what you're doing or you're floundering, go spend a year and f find Jesus. Spend, draw close to Jesus. He'll show you. Amen. But uh, God sent me and my wife to Uganda. Uh, we lived on a little grass hill in two Walmart tents with nothing. Nothing but two Walmart tents and a, a vision from God to plant a church, a Bible study, and um, put in a well and build the first building, which we call Ashunga, IMOC, Ashunga Mission Outreach Center. Um, and those first three months living in tents actually were some of the best year, months of my life. Because life was so simple. You know, we have too much stuff. Stuff makes life difficult. The people in Uganda, they literally, most of them live in a mud hut. Not even half the size of this room. Maybe a quarter of this room. With two rooms. One's like their visiting room or their sitting room where visitors can come. And one, their other room is where they all sleep. There may be 10 kids, grandma and grandpa, and mom and dad sleeping in one room. They have a hole in the ground where they go to the bathroom. They have, kick, cook over a fire. They go carry, you know, gather water, gather firewood. But life is really simple. Um, but from that simple beginning of, you know, living in those tents, it was crazy living in the tents because I never forget we're... We're, we're here on the side of the hill, 
and uh, below on the road below on the uh, hill beside us they'd come out all day long and watch us and they would just laugh and laugh and I'd be like what are they laughing about and um, I, I've come to find out they were laughing at me they're laughing at me because I was doing all kinds of jobs that men don't normally do in Uganda I was doing a lot of uh, things like dishes <laughs> men in Uganda don't do the dishes so they were laughing serious at me. But anyway, from that small, those tents came, God has grown the ministry amazingly. I can't even, it's actually, wow. It's hard to even describe. Um, we started a school with 15 kids, a primary school, and the primary school has grown into 467 kids, I believe we have now. Um, we started two years ago, we started a high school. It's a six-year project. Uh, we are on a second year. We have, we're only doing 30 students per class, so we are on our second year. We have 60 high school students and still growing. We have a medical clinic that gives free medical care to the students, the sponsor kids and the families, the community, and uh, wow, I'm forgetting something. I know I am. The church, oh yeah, the church. <laughs> the church is booming. Praise God, God raised up a pastor from another Calvary Chapel. He came and he's serving with us full time now. His name is Gerald and Mary. So they're really awesome having them on staff there. And wow, uh, things are growing. We still, um, we have a couple things I wanted to share with you. Needs. First of all, we ask that you'd pray for us. Secondly, we have to build three more buildings. Um, you saw there we're building a primary. We, to finish the high, primary school, we have to build one more building of three classrooms. And to finish the high school, we have like three more buildings to go. But we're trying to just, to, well, just trying to build as much as we can. Impola, impola, slowly by slowly. The second thing is, since COVID, it's costed $1,300 a week to feed the kids. To feed all, we have 60 employees and over 500 kids. You know, $10 in America doesn't go very far. $10 in America maybe, you know, I was at Smoothie King. You can't even buy a Smoothie King. It was large. Smoothie King was $10. I don't even know if they have those in Alabama. Uh, but you go to McDonald's or anywhere, you $10. Netflix, 10, more than $10. $10 doesn't go very far in America. But in Uganda, $10 feeds one of our kids for a whole month. And it's a huge need that we have. It's actually a huge burden. You can pray for us. I mean, Jesus says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So I know it's I'm not supposed to carry this burden. But it can be really difficult. So pray how God may have you partner with us. But this morning I have, um, I want to get into the word together with you to encourage you in the word of God. That's why I really came here was to encourage you in this. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 14 to 33. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 33. But let me pray first. In the local language in Uganda, the let's pray is katu shabe, katu shabe, let's pray. Lord, we're thankful uh, for your grace. For your grace is sufficient. And Jesus, really, you're all we need. Um, Lord, you call us to serve you and to, to do things for you. Lord, we just want to be found faithful. 
Thank you for your grace and your love and forgiveness because we always fall short. But Lord, we thank you for your living word, your spirit that you gave us to comfort us, to help us, to strengthen us, to have victory today. But Lord, I pray you'd speak to us through your word and uh, you'd be glorified by everything we say and everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians uh, 10, beginning in verse 14, says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then, that an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it. For the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Amen. So a quick uh, review of 1 Corinthians. Paul visited Corinth on his second missionary journey. Um, he met some tent makers there. They ultimately, many people got saved. They planted a church, raised up leader, leaders, I'm sure. And then he continued on his missionary journey. Um, Paul received letters from the church or a letter saying uh, that there was problems in the church. Also asking many questions of him. He also received news from people that there was problems in the church. And he wrote this uh, letter of 1 Corinthians to address these issues and answer the questions. So we come to chapter 8, 9, and 10 of 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul uses the, uh, the topic of eating meat offered to idols to cover a much bigger topic. Uh, the topic is, you know, license or freedom that we have in Christ versus legalism and rules and following the law. I call it the, this message I call the law of love because that's really what we want to follow in every situation. The law of love is given to us by Jesus. Jesus said, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others yourself. I call that the law of love, right? We're called the love. Love God and love others. Amen. And in this whole big debate that's gone on forever, which we're not going to get into, about the freedom we have in Christ versus the following rules and the law, the balance is love. Amen? 
people, and we always tend to go too far one way or the other. We either following the law, we end to legalism and bondage, or we or we have uh, freedom in Christ, and we lead to lawlessness, which leads to bondage to sin. And what's the balance of the two? Love. Amen. You with me? So here, as we talk about this. Truly, we are free in Christ. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. He says twice that we are free. All things are lawful. But he's clearly saying that, look, not all things are helpful and not all things edify. I was listening to Alistair Begg. I don't know if you guys ever listened to Alistair Begg. I like that guy. He was talking about this, these verses. And he, he turned to back to chapter 6. If you turn back to chapter 6 and verses, uh, oh, of course. Um, <laughs> I know it's 6. Uh, wait, am I looking at the wrong place? He gives a whole list somewhere here of the things which we're not supposed to be involved in. And, uh, of course, I can't find it this, this, evening, this morning. But anyway, there's a list that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians, and I could have... Verse 9. Verse 9. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you not know that the unrighteous... He goes on, the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Fornicators. He gives this whole long list of sins, right? Those things are obviously clearly not considered all things are lawful. You understand that? That's what Alistair Begg said, and I couldn't agree more. Because people always argue about this verse, it's like all things are lawful. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, of course not. He's, he's using that in line with what he's already written. You understand? In verse chapter 6, verse 9 on, he gives a whole list of things that are not lawful. But then he's talking about things not concluded in that list. But the truth is, though we are free in Christ, we never use our freedom. You follow me? Every, got, I kind of got lost. Everybody back with me? We, I couldn't find the verse. I knew where it was. I, sh I need to circle it or something. Now listen, we are free in Christ. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? If anyone is a Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all things are new. Amen. That was the greatest day of my life when I experienced being new in Christ and the freedom I had in Christ. But the truth is we never use our freedom if it dishonors God, hurts someone, causes someone to be offended, causes someone to sin, or leads us to sin. Amen. We are free, but we never use our freedom to hurt other people or sin. I'm going to begin with this verse, and we're going to end with this verse. Uh, verse 31, back to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And the reason I, I really believe that summarizes the entire teaching. If you get nothing else from anything I've said, remember this verse 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all things for the glory of God. And this morning, we're going to look at three things quickly here in our study. First, we're going to look at the warnings. Secondly, we're going to look at the word conscience. Whenever you see a word repeated, it means it's important. And finally, we're going to close talking about the law of love in a little more detail. So first, we're going to look at the warnings. Now, the whole Bible is filled with warnings. But if you turn back one page to chapter 10, beginning of chapter 10, Paul lays out a whole bunch of warnings using the children of Israel as our example. 
And he talks about their blessings. They were blessed beyond measure. I mean, they were they led by the cloud during the day and by the fire at night. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They watched miracle after miracle from the manna to the water out of the rock to all these blessings. But then he says what? In verse 5, But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't trust Him. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. They didn't trust Him. They didn't obey Him. Because faith and obedience go hand in hand. But it says in verse 6, and why did Paul using all these things? He says, These things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. A warning. He goes on in verse 7, and I'm just summarizing. They were idolaters, and what happened? They died. They committed sexual immorality, and they died. Uh, let's see, verse 9. They tempted Christ, and they died. Verse 10 is kind of dangerous for me. They complained, and they died. Any people have struggled with complaining, it can be very difficult. Uh, again, 11, he tells us again, all these things happened to them as examples and are written down for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. If Paul believed that the end of the age was 2,000 years ago when he wrote this letter, think how close we are today, amen? Maranatha, any day Jesus could come back. We need to be ready. And all you have to do to be ready is return from your sins, place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and follow Him until He calls us home, amen? But you think about that. If he thought 2,000 years ago the end, it was the end of the age, we are close. I sure hope. But he says again, these things were examples for our admonition. Admonition is a strong warning, right? A strong rebuke. He verse 12, he gives another warning. Therefore, let him think, he, whoever thinks he stand, let, take heed lest he fall. Right? That's a warning against pride, thinking we can do it on our own strength. We cannot. We need the power of God to give us victory. But he says in verse 13, an encouragement. He says, no temptation has overtaken us except which is common to man. And when temptation comes, you will be, not be tempted beyond what is able. God will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. What's the way of escape? Jesus. Amen. Jesus is always there. Cry out to Jesus when you're tempted and he will make a way to get, deliver you. Amen. But one of the main warnings I want to look at this morning is verse 14. It says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And he says, I speak to wise men, right? He's speaking to the church, talking about idolatry. And, you know, they had all kinds of idols. Corinth and the Greek culture was filled with idolatry. Not only from the, uh, the Acropolis with all the prostitutes and all the temples to all their foreign idols and Diana and all nonsense. And, you know, we probably don't have a bunch of asterisk pools in our backyard or some little our household gods. I hope not. But what's an idol today? Because idols are a real problem today. They might, be, they might look different, but it's still the same problem. An idol is anything that is more important to you than God. That's an idol. And to be honest, if we're honest, we can be in trouble a lot of the time because there's a lot of things that can be idols. It can be a TV show. It can be, what is this, Bama? Any Bama fans around here? What's the Bama? The Crimson t Tide, right? Is it? Go Tide. That's what I thought. Yeah, see, I'm not even from Alabama. I knew that. Go Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. 
Any, uh, any Alabama idol, idol uh, worshipers here? <laughs> I, I mean, let's get serious. There's nothing wrong with liking a football team. Is there anything wrong with liking a football team? No. There's not. I love Kurt Warner. I, I love him because he was a Christian. There's different people. You know what I mean? It's no problem. But we don't put them above God. Can Alabama save you? And I, I, you know what? I know Alabama's really good. That praise God. I, li I, I like good teams. You know what I mean? But this can be an idol. This can be the worst idol. This, that phone, can, I can talk to my wife in Uganda, and technology has made being a missionary amazing. <clears throat> and I can do all of my messages on my iPhone and I, with my notes and my Bible and all. Everything can be done. I can actually do it laying in bed. People are like, you're laying in bed again. I'm like, I'm studying. This is where I enjoy studying. Because my phone, I can do it all. You can have a world of good at your, on your phone. But isn't there a whole world of evil and idolatry and sin that you can access on your phone? And Paul says here, flee from idolatry. And it wasn't just a warning for them. The whole Bible's written for us. And think about the warnings of God. I mean, if somebody warns, if you ignore warnings, you ignore your warnings of your parents, what happened? In Uganda, if you disobey your parents or your teachers, you get chaboko, which is sticks. You disobey your, pa your parents, you understand it came with consequences. You disobey your boss, it comes with consequences. What about God? Disobeying the warnings of God. Very dangerous place to go. And thank God for His grace, amen, because we disobeyed them a lot. And we always are new. <laughs> thank God His mercies are new every morning, Amen. Because we are constantly falling short. But here Paul, talking about fleeing from idolatry, he uses two examples um, about us being one or having communion with God. First he uses communion, holy communion, and he talks about communion in verses uh, 16. Talking about the cup, cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. He uses the example of communion. When we take Holy Communion, we're all taking the same juice and the same bread, or we're taking, do, taking it together. They represent the blood and body of Christ. We're, we're take it, remembering and thanking Him for what He did, remembering His death until He comes. But when we're doing it, we know the Holy Spirit's here and we're one with Christ. We're one body, one church, and we're all partaking together. Amen? He's using that as an example our communion with Christ. He uses the second example of uh, the sacrifices on the altar. Observe Israel, verse 18, after the flesh. Are they not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? He's talking about the, the communion they had with God when they did the, their sacrifices. Whether it be the temple or the tabernacle, they would come and offer their sacrifice. They'd kill the animal, sprinkle the blood. The car, their animal would be burned on the altar. They'd partake of the meat. And the smoke would rise up to God, and it would be a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And they, would, they were, believed they were one with God as they partake, partook of the sacrifices together in, in God's presence. Amen? And he uses that example not to tell us that idols are anything. Because he said in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, concerning the eating of, of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no other God but one. 
People think he's saying something different, but he's not. He's adding to what he already said. Look, he says, look, an idol really is nothing. Even repeating what Moses said, well, he's telling us that behind the work of an idol is, the, is demons. An idol is just a, something a demon uses to trick you, or the devil's using to deceive you, thinking that something is going to make you happy, something's going to bring more satisfaction, or something's going to bring fulfillment that only God can bring in our lives. And we always fall short. We're always there's all, let's, we're a bunch of sinners. Amen. Any wretches in the house? I'm the chief wretch. Amen. We all fall short. Again, thank God for His grace, but what Paul's saying is the same thing Moses told them in Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrifice to demons and not to God. And think how much time we sacrifice to idols and not to God. Think about it. Think about how much time we waste. It's like I always, you say, well, that was a waste of an hour and a half. You go to a terrible movie, it's like I'm never getting that hour and a half back. You with me? How much time do we waste chasing after things of this world? And I'm not saying things of the world are bad, but God is better. Amen. And we had this video, and I want to play this video. Some of you may have seen this tree video, but I really believe it shows how what Paul's trying to say here, because what he's telling them is they're being deceived. The idols are nothing, but behind the idol is the de devil or a demon deceiving you and tricking you into following something other than God. You know, I had people write me on YouTube and say, you cut down that beautiful tree, calling me all kinds of names. I'm like, that tree was the devil. People were held in such bondage and were believed such lies for so long. It was terrible. And I'd been there for four years, and not only had they been believing the lies and being tricked by the devil, they'd been hiding it. So sad. But, um, witchcraft is very, difficult, very serious in Uganda. In central Uganda, it's wide open. People just go visit the witch doctor. There's no hiding it. But in western Uganda, where Ishunga is, they all, it's all hidden. They're secret. I was there for four years before I, re before I found out about this tree. I had to trick people to let, find, take me to where the tree was. And I finally, when I found out, I'm like, this tree is going down. <laughs> Felt like Gideon or whatever, take, cutting down the, the high places or whatever. <clears throat> but uh, it, it was so many lies they believed. They believed it was protected by snakes. They said if you took any of the branches, you, I don't know if you could tell in the pictures, there's branches everywhere, the roots and everything. We took one of the branches and we cut it up and we're cooking bana bananas over the branch just to show them that there's nothing. And I stood on the promise of God's word, amen, that he who lives in me is greater than he who is in the world, amen. It's God's four by four, the big stick, right, a four by four, a fence post. God's four by four is 1 John 4, 4. He who is in me is greater than he that is in the world, and the devil can't touch you when Jesus lives in you, amen. The devil can't touch you when Jesus lives in you, and nothing happened. Nothing bad. What well, we saw when that tree fell, there was one of the families, a guy named was Richard. He was dying. He was the clan leader of his family. He had been offering sacrifices at this tree. He didn't know, they didn't know what was wrong with him. They were preparing to bury him. He was near death. We cut the tree down. The next day, he was completely healed. And we went and shared. He was really stubborn, but after about five times of sharing the gospel with him, he finally prayed and accepted Christ. 
four of the, the, one of the families that live right next to the tree, they had four grown boys. And they called me one day and said we, they wanted me, invited me to their house. And I went there and I, I didn't know what they were going to say. What they told me was, Daddy Billu. They don't call me Bill or Pastor Bill. They call me Daddy Billu. Mama D and Daddy Billu. Um, they said, Daddy Billu, we are so thankful. We believed the lies for all these years about the tree. And now we know Jesus is the truth. And we're going to follow Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so, to summarize... What Paul's teaching us here, even through this tree video, look at behind the work of this tree, behind the work of any idol in our life is demons, and we cannot have fellowship with God and with demons. Leads us to our second thing quickly, the conscience. It's repeated five times. Paul says in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Whatever is sold in the meat market, asking, uh, eat it, eat it, whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. He says we're free to eat the meat, uh, it says in verse 27, if someone invites you to dinner, go and eat with asking no questions for conscience sake. But if someone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the one who told you and for conscience sake. He's saying, look, it, uh, if someone tells you, he's, in verse 28, he's talking about a believer being there while you're eating the meat offered to idols. And the other believer is going to be offended if you eat it. So don't eat it. And the real lesson I think he's trying to teach us about the conscience is verse 29. Conscience, I say, not your, not your own, but that of the other. Amen? We're to care about other people above our own. Conscience means with knowledge. Uh, con means with science is knowledge. We all have a conscience. It's part of us, given to us by God. It, it's a warning system or the... Uh, I was going to say another word, but I can't remember. It's a warning system. It warns you when you're about to sin, when you're sinning, you've already sinned. You can't, it can be affected by others, and you can affect other people's conscience. And one thing we need to understand is, talking about offenses, being a follower of Christ, people are going to be offended. And that's not the offense he's talking about. Jesus said clearly, if they, are, if they hate me, they're going to hate you for following me. Amen. So we're not talking about that. People get offended because I'm a follower of Christ. That's their problem. I'm still going to follow Christ. Amen. I don't want to be rude about it or negative about it. I speak the truth in love. But the truth is, I believe in Jesus. Jesus saved me. And one day I'm going to see him face to face. And if people don't want to believe that, I can't make someone believe it. We can only tell them the truth and pray the Holy Spirit moves in their heart. But the offenses that we need to be worried about are doing things that causes others to be offended or affecting other people's consciences. Because you know we all have a conscience. We know what it's like to be offended. It, we know it's easy to offend other people. And it's no fun to offend, have people that are offended around you. And what Paul's saying here, look it. We need to care about others above ourselves. And ultimately that's what he says in verse 24. He repeats the golden rule in a different way. He says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Treat others. The golden rule given by Jesus is treat others the way you want to be treated. Paul says it here. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Look out for others. Amen. Care about others above yourself. One of the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? Joy, my pastor always taught me with the acronym for joy, maybe you've heard it, I'm sure you have, is J is Jesus, O is others, Y is you. True joy is living like that. 
living, putting Jesus first and putting others above ourselves leads to the third thing we're going to talk about this morning. And this is the law of love. Again, the law of love is simple. Love God and love others. It's simple to say, not always easy to do. And again, we're not talking about legalism here, but what Paul is giving us is teaching us about love. And he gives us here at the end of chapter 10, he gives us four things that we can consider, things that we can look at, uh, what we're doing, what we're considering to do, what we're involved in, uh, whether it follows the law of love towards God and the law of love towards others, because that's what Jesus says we should live. If you're loving God and you're loving others, you're going to be good, amen? It's the fulfillment of the entire law and the prophets is love. The entire thing. And this is all about love. This isn't things I'm talking about, no legalism. This is love. We should love God and love others. And the things we do, we need to make sure they're following that. Amen? And he gives us four things that we can look at. Things that we can, little questions we can ask ourselves. Um, two things regarding the law of love towards God. The first one is in verse 30. Paul says, I, food which I give thanks. The things you're involved in or considering to do, can you give thanks to God for it? If you can't, you shouldn't be involved in it because it's violating the law of love towards God. The second thing is towards the law of love towards God is verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The things you're involved in or considering to do, does it give God glory? If not, you shouldn't be involved in it. And this, regarding the law of love towards others around you, verse 32, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Are the things you're involved in, does it cause others to be offended? You can't love someone and you can't lead someone to Christ who's offended. You can't love someone in, and offend them. It's impossible. <clears throat> and the second thing regarding the law of love towards others is verse 33. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. The things you're involved in, things you're doing or saying, lead others to salvation, to lead others to Christ. If not, we should really consider what we're doing because the law of love is what we want to live by, what we want to follow, because God is love. We bring this to a close. I just want to look at verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Or in the King James it says, follow me as I also follow Christ. And I think about Jesus following Jesus. That's all I want to do. I fall short miserably, but I want to follow Jesus. I want to honor Jesus. I want to do everything that proves my love for Jesus. I think about how Jesus lived. He lived the perfect life. He went first. He carried a cross up a hill for me and for you. He hung on a tree so that we could be forgiven. Talk about love. Talk about love. Talk about... That Jesus would die for me blows me away. It's the love of God that leads us to repentance. When I recognized that God loved me, despite all that I'd said and all that I'd done and all that I'd thought, and He still loved me and desired to have a relationship with me, it changed my life. 
I wanted to follow a God like that. Paul says, imitate me. And I think, wow. Am I living a life in such a way that people can imitate or follow me? And I'm not talking about Uganda. Now, sure, God's done. Let's be clear. If anything is going to happen in Uganda, it's Jesus. If anything is going to happen to me, it's Jesus. If I do anything good today, it's Jesus. So getting past all that, in my own life, my flesh, it's so easy to be a bad example. And I think about Paul. Is Paul perfect? No. He actually killed Christians. Paul was a sinner. But I really believe his greatest desire was to follow Jesus, to worship God, and to live in such a way that would lead others to follow Christ. I started with this verse. I'm going to end with it because I really believe it's the, mess, the le lesson that we need to learn. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Verse 31. Again, you cannot do anything for the glory of God if it hurts another person, causes a person to be offended, or causes someone to sin. Love is far more important than liberty. Love is far more important than liberty.